Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I think this is episode 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're a young adult now. I know. We've graduated. <laughs> yeah, we have. Oh, how nice. are you? How are you? Yeah, I am not bad. You know? <laughs> I the most British answer. <laughs> I'm not ecstatic, nor am I depressed. I'm just floating in the middle. Um, yeah, so I'm okay. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm good. For the most part, I'm good. I've got a new family member. Um... Yes. You know what? Okay, I'm sorry, I have to pause you there because my mum, I was speaking to her on like video call and she was like, hasn't Scarlett got a new nephew? And I was like, no, she's got one, but the other one's like going to turn up any minute now. She was like, you sure it hasn't turned up yet? I was like, no, 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 but any minute now, yeah. And then... <laughs> And then so, yeah, my mum knew before I did. Oh, she must have seen something on, like, social media. Yeah, that's what uh, she says. Yeah, um, my, yeah, my sister-in-law had a baby last week. And so my nephew is now a week and one day old. Yeah. Got all so. ten fingers and ten toes. And yeah, yeah. Looking like a stud as well. So, oh. Yeah. That's that's kept me on a little cloud nine and a little, yeah, up, a little up, yeah. Cool. What have you been doing other than um, baby well, gushing over baby doing? pictures? Um, been doing a lot of walking. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of all, that's that's all we're allowed to do. All we're allowed to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been like doing some nice like weekend walks with my mum, um, in Bushy Park and Hampton Court. Um, it's been really nice Um, and we've been quite lucky we've had like good weather intervals to do it but Mm. um, planning Christmas really get trying to get festive I decorated my room very subtly it's not isn't it wild how everyone has just started oh yeah Christmas super early now I've seen people with decorations up oh yeah completely up and also like literally a year ago those people would have been like hated on social media because it's too early. But yeah, we just we, need the spirit. <laughs> we need this year to be over that we're like rushing forward. And I think normally every year we're like in October, we're like, can't believe the supermarket's trying to sell me Christmas stuff. And now it's like everyone's just like accepting it and being like, this is what we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about you? What have you been up to? Um, of course, of course, I watched The Crown. Oh, yes. I haven't finished it, so no spoilers, even though it's, okay, no, it's based no. on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, where have you been for the past 20 years? Um, but yes, yeah, so I watched that. 
it, it's good. It is good. And is I think it? I think they've taken more of like a cinematic approach. Mm. I think maybe if like the budget is getting bigger or they just feel like they can get away with more. I'm not sure, but it's still a really good story. And then literally up until, well, from the time I finished The Crown to now, I've just been binging, watching like all royalty related videos on YouTube. Yeah, I got in a spiral after my Diana documentaries a few weeks ago of like, Mm. then also obviously watching The Crown as soon as came out. But I'm like, I think I'm halfway through maybe. Um, But then like check referencing how accurate some of the stuff was because obviously there's been some controversy about it being a one-sided tale or not factual but like of course it's not factual like to like not every conversation is Mm. necessarily a conversation had we Mm. know that Mm. yeah but like i don't think it's one-sided at all really i think it's like they both like they both weren't happy they both did wrong like at times and like, don't marry someone if you also know that they're in love with someone else. I don't think she knew. She didn't. I know. think she did because she no, she saw the bracelet. No, but that was um, that was after. It, well, it was. She was in too deep. Like, yeah, she was. They were engaged, and it was like just before the wedding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were in um, too deep. Yeah. I saw on YouTube that she had gone to. I think he had like a croquet. Yeah, polo. he had a polo event that he was playing at, and she was stood next to Camilla, you know, chatting and stuff, not realizing this whole time Camilla's been having an affair with him. Mm. So I don't think she really knew. And then it's like, how can you back out of a royal wedding like the day? Yeah, day I before? know. Like the the joke is like the tea towels were made, the mugs were yeah. done, like the plates were <laughs> glazed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah good story though good good and the way it ends you know there's going to be a fifth series oh spoiler well because i know they've tried to imply that they're not going to come up to modern day i think i think that's i think that's a good thing yeah well they can't not address a few (laughs) problematic things i think they're just gonna (laughs) do i think they're really gonna do like um the divorce they're gonna do diana's death and then they'll do the aftermath of how the royals were seen as like plotting her death almost. Yeah, I yeah, I um, I imagine it will end with her death and a little bit of the aftermath. But then I think they have to yeah. respect as well that like William and Harry are actually alive. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna come too into the modern day because I think it ruins the storytelling mm. as well. I think like the distance that we have with, you know, in terms of time allows us to just sit and enjoy the drama of it if they yeah. come to like Meghan Markle you know it's there's too much opinion surrounding it and there's too much debate and they really you just want people to like appreciate your work for what it is and yeah. not be like gossiping about whether Meghan Markle's like a gold digger and you know all this stuff <laughs> um but it's good love it yeah it is good it is good um so what is your fashion story this week? Oh, um, yeah. So my fashion story is, um, it's about Gucci Fest. Oh, uh, <laughs> my fashion story. Stop, really? This is the second time we've done this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, this is, this works fine because we can both talk about it. And I also have like this, 
thought that I would probably like us to delve more into in one of our brand episodes that we're planning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Gucci Fest it, from the 16th of November to the 22nd of November. Gucci's just had this like, like they've been putting out all these like dramatic videos, yeah. kind of storied dramas centered around fashion very like indie filmish very like cool kids watch these types of movies and then they've been accompanied by conversations um and discussion and it's been like this week-long thing that they've put out and I was watching one of them and I'm not gonna lie I don't really get it (laughs) I don't really get it, but that's okay. Like, maybe it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, But it's really made me think that I think Gucci is doing something really interesting in that they're, this is a theory I have, they're moving towards being more like a media company. Yeah. Like, they have such a clear vision for who they are, and it's so unique that they are using not only just like they have a podcast and then they have this Gucci fest where they have like these films essentially, but it's accompanied accompanied by work of different graphic artists. And then they are championing like climate change and organizations which work to push that conversation forward mm-hmm. and they're just doing a whole 360 marketing thing like no one else is doing at the moment I think and that's just what I thought is really interesting about Gucci first what, what were you going to say about it well it's kind of I guess there's a bigger discussion that they're also almost implying that Gucci want to kind of move away from old school shows and this is it's how it sees its future yeah is mm-hmm. showing us their their new styles in these videos or in these much more modern media platform friendly um mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. and it's just quite interesting because essentially this was their spring summer 2021 wasn't yeah it? I think yeah that's what I understand it to be and obviously like it was I think fronted up one of the videos, like Billie Eilish, literally dropped mm. a song like the day before and then has like this Gucci Fest sort of style video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's almost, um, it's reacting to the fact that it's such a popular brand with young people right now. Mm-hmm. Like it is just like, it's had a real moment and we were saying it could have been on its way out, but maybe this is a way of it like trying to stay relevant for even longer. I don't think it's on its way out. I think that there's probably just a the decrease. hype. Yeah, the hype, the hype, exactly. I yeah. think they're probably experiencing a decline in sales. But again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that no. it's settling, like its sales are settling. Yeah, off. the, the um, hype is dying down a little. Yeah, exactly. And you said it's really popular with younger um, kind of entry people who are beginning to get into luxury fashion and younger and younger, younger people were buying into Gucci, like say from like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And they, they recognize that. But I think 
what's so interesting about Gucci is its aesthetic is the 70s dress-up box, vintage fashion, mix and match everything. It doesn't matter. It's almost like you're pulling things from your grandma's wardrobe. You're pulling things from your parents' wardrobe and you're just wearing it in a very like young carefree sort of way and in their marketing although they realize that young people buy into it in their marketing they have really old models they're people in their 60s and 70s and like it's not like where a lot of brands traditionally have they they champion youth culture in a way where being and looking younger is is the ideal and so they only have models who are like 17 years old in their campaign Gucci's like it's whatever you want it to be. It's for any age. It's for any style. It's for any mismatched print pattern that you want. Mm. And they're just running with this like seventies aesthetic, and it seems to be working for them. And but yeah, I think this is something that we could probably like discuss in depth. But yeah, Gucci first. Yeah, they're super cool. I think it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, they're just they're moving in very interesting, like cool directions. Mm. Um, And also a point you made about um, it being their way of moving away from like the traditional structure of fashion shows and seasons, because at the beginning of this whole coronavirus thing, there were lots of, well, not lots, but there were prominent brands that were coming out saying that we are moving away from showing in the way that we used to. And I mm. wonder how many of those actually stick to that. And if like when everything returns to normal, they feel the pressure of like returning back to the old structure and calendar of fashion weeks. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's definitely what Gucci's doing. And they're just like creating a whole buzz around their they are like Gucci Fest is their fashion week. And yeah. they're making a week of it, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it's very clever to kind of do it around a time where it's not fashion week and we're not flooded with mm. loads of different brands. Like, it's having its real moment. And, yeah, it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you, go follow us on Instagram, starloversubstancepod. Shoot us an email, starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter. We've got all the links on our Instagram. You know what to do. So, take it away, Mim. Oh, for our main topic. Of our main topic? Yeah. So normally we do like a story time and then we do a kind of macro look at issues and topics that we find interesting in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. We've kind of had a discussion that for um, episodes 20 to 30 at least, we would do like a brand focus like we did last week with... Um, what did we do it with? Bottega. <laughs> yeah, it was Bottega. Sorry, Bound Man, like, just jumped into my head, so I got <laughs> confused. Um, and 
like normal we're going to continue with like a broader look at the fashion industry and taking a particular topic and then next week we'll probably return to a brand Mm. focused um episode because we thought that was really cool and there's definitely a lot to say about brands individually um yeah but yeah so this week we've decided to talk about pricing in luxury fashion and price structures and I mean, I think it's really important to like deep dive into this because for many people, luxury equals expensive and that's the end all and be all mm-hmm. of the industry. Um, but there's more to it and there's more theory and reasoning and advantages and how people and how brands like mess around with their um, pricing. But yeah, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, so that's definitely true. Like it there's reasons that are very like logistical in terms of mm-hmm. raw materials being more expensive and stuff like that but there's also kind of marketing reasons why um so i don't know if it's worth sort of starting just with um more the logistic side of things and how brands justify their costs so we're talking luxury market mm-hmm. we're talking all the brands that we normally talk about like we've mentioned before even it's down to like it's from the box that your item comes in Mm -hmm. to the experience you have in the store Mm -hmm. so like a chanel employee should definitely be be being paid more than a top shop employee yeah for sure they are and they have like um sales targets which bring them bonuses and they probably have like some serious qualifications like it's a real sort of skill they'll have had like some serious sort of um stuff on their like on their cv i'm sure Um, yeah like you've mentioned um before that to get into luxury you need to get a job in luxury and you Mm. need to work your way up (laughs) you need to work your way up and once you're there you tend to stay there yeah and for a lot of sales associates they have worked many other luxury retail jobs and you have to literally qualify to be a chanel sales associate yeah yeah exactly um so there's all of these things in sort of like I guess the business plan mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but like ultimately as well you're you're paying for better quality a mm-hmm. t a t-shirt from Prada is going to be made of much nicer quality cotton mm-hmm. it's going it should be and it tends to be more ethically sourced mm-hmm. um the factory is more um of a sustainable factory they Mm. pay their employees an actual wage um and down to like the thread that's being used is high quality Mm -hmm. um and all of that stuff so you're paying for that you're also paying for the fact that they are maybe using recyclable um boxes or really luxury boxes that you can keep and reuse Mm -hmm. rather than like an ASOS bag that gets thrown away immediately and all of those things contribute to the price of a luxury brand yeah but also what's so uh unique to like the luxury segment of fashion and retail is that, yeah, they do use more expensive fabrics and packaging and 
it's their their staff are probably more expensive mm-hmm. and all that thing all those things that kind of contribute to like their bottom line but in terms of pricing as you mentioned it's so much seemed as a marketing tool because the price they sell you things at does not correlate to how much it makes it how much they pay to actually manufacture the product mm-hmm. there is this um kind of there's little relevance basically to the production costs or the competitors and when we talk about like the lvs and like oh, i don't know like the cartiers and the dior and all that stuff they're not really looking around at their competitors and being like well they're selling their top bag at this price so we gotta stay in line mm. with that they're really kind of evaluating what are those things, those intangible qualities that make our brand our brand that people are willing to pay for? And it's that space. And they're going to choose us over, like they're going to choose Cartier over LV. Yeah, exactly. And they're and they're looking like that space between like the production costs and like how much someone's willing to pay for their brand can be massive because at the end of the day if you like Chanel as you do Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if Dior is making a similar sort of bag for a cheaper price you don't want it you want Mm -hmm. the Chanel one and you're gonna pay for the Chanel one yeah so yeah so yeah um, you're you're paying for the you're paying for the heritage you're mm -hmm. paying for the name Mm -hmm. like as as horrible as it almost like that annoys me so much but like but it's true so important yeah like why else would we walk around with someone else's logo on like I'm not gonna have a phone case with your initials on but I walk around with some stranger's initials if I have a Chanel bag you know know, I think that's cultural as well because I was reading some articles for this episode and um Portfolio Mag was saying that um you have like these changing customer values and in China before it was like a like you needed the brand logo on it mm. that's what people were looking for like the logo visibility and yeah. that was really important for them and now people much more buy into like the quality of the product the comfort mm-hmm. the the style of course and so yeah. that that sort of a because we went through logo mania recently yeah so yeah. it's like changing all the time yeah exactly um and also it's important to kind of address that like so every sort of pricing tier mm. ultimately it's about how much markup a product has that kind mm-hmm. of defines it so like mm-hmm. the markup in top shop yes they use cheaper materials and stuff like that but it's all much more relatively smaller the margin Mm-hmm. then mid-tier yes you're having nicer products the markup's going to be a little bit more though to justify the price mm-hmm. and then the markup in luxury like you said like it doesn't cost chanel over a thousand pounds to make their bag mm-hmm. and they're selling it for five thousand it doesn't it mm-hmm. couples like a cu- it costs maybe a couple hundred but mm-hmm. like you said there's the fact that their pay like their design team x they pay their like marketing team x the development team x that like Susie in the shop has had to like jump through 10 hoops to even get the job Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. it's all of that stuff that there's a tiering system and it's just about markup as well yeah a lot of it is markup and like with like 
traditional kind of pricing strategies you have like premium Mm -hmm. is used like premium luxury kind of pricing is used as a way to like establish the equality of your brand and it's like it gives you like a competitive edge Mm -hmm. um it's like synonymous with the price isn't it so like yeah you don't even question it if you're gonna buy a bag from fendi you assume the quality is great exactly you you assume certain things about it because of the price you also have things like um i was just reading up it was like penetration and it's like the price is artificially set low so that they can get into that certain market and like clean up and like take a bigger chunk of the pie basically Mm -hmm. so they'll they'll make things cheap like what amazon does with their stuff essentially um and then obviously you have things like Primark, which is like economy. It's like really slim margins. They don't care. It's super cheap. Like marketing doesn't get, they don't invest in marketing. They don't invest in advertising and things mm. like that. And then um, there's one that was really interesting. It's called skimming. And it basically is like you set the price high when you have like no competition. So you can make as much money as you want. And then once competition starts to enter in like the space that you're in, you'll lower your price to kind of be more in line and more competitive Mm -hmm. with other brands. But luxury fashion just really does away (laughs) Mm. with a lot of these, as you've said, it's simply about setting that precedent of what you're going to expect when you buy from them. And that's what pricing does. Yeah. And like, that's why I think it's so hard becoming a new luxury brand Mm, because I do think that only time proves your luxury worth um you know like yes a brand could have an incredible design of a pair of shoes that we all want and all of that stuff but if nobody sort of has heard of them why are you Mm. paying 700 pounds for a pair of shoes whereas people's drop that on Louboutins Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every single day Um, and it's because there's a heritage we know that it's quality or we assume again because of the price and the prestige the history like all these fashion houses like there's just so much that's gone on before that you just don't even question it and with newer brands I think you do yeah, I, I I really agree with that. I do think it is really tough to almost justify really, really expensive products. Yeah. But it's also interesting because it's not impossible. No. And I would be interested to know that how some brands actually pull it off. And you mentioned Christian Louboutin. They've only been around for about, what, 25, 26 years? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's around, the early, like, yeah, it's thir- the 30 mark. Like, yeah, yeah, they were around from the early 20s, uh, sorry, early 20s, the early 1990s. And um, when you look at their pricing for their shoes, mm. it's comparable to the Louis Vuittons, which have been, as a brand, not as a shoemaker, but as a company in general, has been around from, like, the 1800s. Mm. And they were like royally appointed to make trunks and yeah. luggage and all that. Yeah. Um, completely different history, but somehow you have brands managing to pull it off. So, yeah. I, I think. think it has to stem from 
and I think it's the root of all luxury fashion mm-hmm. um, and of we've mentioned before like it's been dropped a little over time just because money making gets in the way mm-hmm. but it has to start from just artisan like making the best product like yeah. possible so mm-hmm. I I dare say that Le Bhutan like studied like um just shoemaking and is so well versed on that and studied maybe like women's feet their arches like Mm. whatever I mean supposedly his shoes are ridiculously uncomfortable so maybe he didn't um (laughs) he he does say that he doesn't care about comfort it's simply about the design in in that in that sense alone shoe design is an art form whether it's comfortable or not so yeah so I think it does start from wanting to create the most beautiful shoe in the world or like the most luxurious or using the nicest like patent leather and all Mm. of that stuff and you know the red sole of um his shoes dates back to um like the french french um royalty they used to paint their soles red so he there's like this he's like using this sort of luxury sort of like connotation yeah and storyline Mm, but like I think it has to start from there but yeah it's it's really interesting that like you can just come in at like an established brand's like price point without Mm. like a qualm and just crack on with it yeah exactly and I think following on from that another way is introducing the idea of exclusivity Mm -hmm. because while you know design and fashion is like it's an emotional thing in the sense that you either you like the style of it or you don't and Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before you're going to buy into a brand because that is the look that you want even if you can get something similar somewhere else for cheaper yeah it's really not the same thing and so like you're driven by your emotional desire to buy that and what's interesting is like I don't know like human behavior as you mentioned like higher price we assume things about the value of the product, mm-hmm. but also it's like the higher price does a lot to increase the demand of the product. Yeah. Because it's like, we're part of an exclusive club. And many times, as we've mentioned about, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts, lowering the price of luxury goods can damage your brand because mm-hmm. it's no longer desirable. Sometimes it's a catch 22. If you start out and you're too expensive, people might not want to buy into you. But then if you're, you come in just like, don't give a shit, really high price, the demand will come because people sure. are you like, whoa, there's only 10 of those available. Yeah. And that's why they're 500 pound a piece. And I want to get my hands on them. And there's always those sort of like, and I don't mean this badly, like, but those money snobs who are like, oh, like I can buy this because it's so expensive. Yeah. And it's a flex. I'm going to go for like, I'm not going to buy that like entry level. I'm going to flex the fact that I can drop that on the croc Kelly bag or the croc Birkin and mm. and that kind of a thing it's it's a real like the it's a mind game like some people are really on that mm-hmm. and and that's almost how what feeds 
this luxury industry are those sorts of people who yeah like need that latest thing for status and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and speaking of like status one of the articles I was reading was talking about like so the brand Rolex Mm. if someone's got a Rolex on their wrist you just assume it's one of the best watches out there well okay maybe let me (laughs) don't get me wrong I love a Rolex it might not be the best watch out there but you know it's quality you know it's value like not obviously like value as in (laughs) cheap but like you know it's a high like high priced product yeah and it's got good resale value and things like that and it's something that you invest in and Mm -hmm. blah 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 um it might not be as great as like a Swiss made Patek Philippe or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's got a connotation and I automatically and I mm. have done this multiple times. You see a Rolex on somebody's wrist, you instantly know that they are like a high earner. Yeah. You instantly know that they are a certain like individual that they're yeah. either like up quite like good at their job or they're like a hard worker it gives you like an in- insight into somebody yeah yeah we do make assumptions about people dressed or um dressed in a particular way and that is why we buy expensive things it's like yeah start earning more money and you feel like you've graduated into the next level and you start buying (laughs) buying into that higher level to outwardly project yeah how you feel about yourself as a person or you aspire to be as a person exactly so like then who like there's somebody who's aspiring to buy a rolex um so they can project that even if that's not their lifestyle because i tell you now i know people who like Mm -hmm. they're obviously from like either a wealthy family or like previously this is actually shocking um but like at one of my old jobs like the boss bought her like um assistant uh rolex (gasps) like as her like bonus kind of a thing and it was sort of like then rather than her having to pay like tax on her bonus or something like that oh it was a gift okay it was a gift um kind of a thing but this girl actually like she earned all right and she earned well but like the um oh what's it called you get something like serviced to service a rolex like she couldn't really like afford it properly oh so, like, there are people who have a Rolex that, like, don't have the lifestyle you do conjure up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and sure. It's, and, I like, mean, it's the same with, like, all these young kids who save up for, like, like all these designer bags. They're not walking around, like, as a young millionaire. Yeah. But, like, you do associate all of this stuff. It is crazy in that sense. I did want to bring up, the big event of price increases yes we have experienced some price increases this year and we've touched on it saying that like you know price increases for luxury items like it's not a big deal if you don't want to buy it you're not subjected to have to buy it it's not it's not like food um and like to point out it is something that happens every year 
So yeah, this exactly. this year is not alone. I think the hike was a little bit maybe more this year. Mm. But on average, um, luxury brands, it's not all products, um, mm. but sort of, the I guess, the most coveted. It, it tends to be on leather goods that mm. I'm aware of. And um, they get hiked up at about 5 to 7% every year, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. actually quite a lot if you think about it like, there's no better time to buy a Chanel bag than right now because it's going to go up next year. Yeah. Like it's, that's the case every year. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so actually what a clever marketing tool. Mm, Exactly. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's why, you know what? I often think to myself, for example, Zara, Mm -hmm. when I see, when I go on Zara and I see something I like, I am going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I'm not going to think too long and hard about it because I know they don't have discounts very often. They yeah. probably do the summer and winter and that is it. They don't do these Black Friday random promotions. They don't do discount codes and all of that. So I know as a consumer, I either buy it at the price it is or I miss out, you know? And, and that's that's also like Zara's ammo is you see it and the next time you look for it will be gone. So exactly. you need to snap it up now. Yeah, exactly. And so Chanel, who's notorious for, you know, they don't, you don't find their stuff on third party websites. They very much control the sale of their goods. It's because that is a way they control the price. And, you know, if you buy, if you go into Chanel, you're not going to be asking when's their sale on. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. With, with YSL, you know that you can wait and yeah. you can get it on Farfetch at a discount, 20% off or something. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. And I, th- I think Saint Laurent has recently like done a very big transition to become more of that brand. I think it's identified its like place. And it's just like, it knows that's where it's at. Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting, kind of a point that I'd, I don't know why I'd never considered it or it never really sprung to mind when we last had this discussion about price increases, but a really important reason why brands increase price. And I think this is why they've done it this year to such an extent is the depreciation of their local currency. So in 2015, when the euro wasn't doing so well, Chanel hiked up their prices. Mm -hmm. Because what brands identify is that, for example, China, massive growing market for luxury goods. People come over to Europe to kind of buy these designer luxury goods. And if they know that their currency comparatively is stronger against the euro or the pound, they're going to buy more and they might go back to their country and sell on these pieces, or they just might buy more in general. And to keep the supposed value of the goods that Chanel was selling if they realize that it's actually cheaper now to buy it, a bag than it was last year. And that is not our MO. Mm -hmm. Things need to be increasingly more expensive. We're going to have to hike up our price to a significant value to, to make sure that it stays at that top end of the luxury range. And so like currency depreciation is such a big 
reason why year on year we get these price increases and then when we talk about coronavirus you know we thought the world was going to end economically (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't sure if you were going to add economically (laughs) (laughs) i mean a bit of both um but yeah like there was so much talk about markets crashing and even Mm. from last year we were talking about oh it's coming up to 10 years since our last crash and things like that it's ready to blow and it was all that and brexit as well so we talk about the depreciation depreciation of the pound and the euro and things like that so these brands being like we're going to increase our price by like 20 percent. we saw in some cases is a reaction to what their thinking is ahead you know mm-hmm. um yeah so that's really important yeah definitely and also because like for instance like you said like you said if a currency suddenly is going to really um benefit from the euro not doing well that's mm. not correct then to like allow that currency to have a chanel bag or a louis vuitton or whatever it is for much cheaper mm. you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that can't happen because there can't suddenly almost be like this sale for a nation or a currency yeah um, so, it can't yeah. be like high in some places, low in some place. Got to be like <laughs> yeah. all in the same. But with another thing for Chanel is, well, I use Chanel as an example because it's an obvious example. But luxury was really late to the online, online sphere, and it, it's still not very present. Mm, um, and that has a lot to do with price as well, because if we think about it it was seen to affect a brand's ability to control price, but also to affect how they presented their product. And now we see on Google, like if you want a Balenciaga city bag, you can Google it and then Google will tell you all the places you can buy it and all the prices. cheapest, yeah. (laughs) And who's cheapest. And we have like, you know, I love a, like a, a Google extension, which gives me like, coupon codes um (laughs) you can just like go on a website and say is there anything I can apply here to give me 10 20 percent off or whatever free shipping or whatever it might be and so the transparency of price has increased so much that we're now talking about is buying a Chanel worth it Mm. and what do you what's your thoughts on like online and luxury fashion and see I think it's a difficult thing that you'd have to have stupid money to Mm. buy a five thousand pound handbag having never seen it so like I, I think the only way you would buy the likes of uh a Dior lady bag online or anything like that is ha- if you've been into a store you've seen it and you go away and think about it and you buy it online but actually mm. the whole thing about these brands is that most people want the experience and I tell you now if I save all my pretty pennies and can afford a bag from Chanel mm. I want to walk in that shop and buy it yeah And I think they know that that's kind of the case. There's a Chanel experience. You want to walk out of the bag with the shopping bag. Like you just bought a Chanel. Mm. Um, And it's the same with all of them. I'm just using Chanel because that would be like 
my pinnacle. Um, Like, I think there's a lot to do with that. So the only thing you can buy on Chanel's website is sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of crazy. But also, I think it just probably means that there's also not the fear of it's very hard to post a handbag. I mean, you know how difficult it is working for an online retailer. Um, If your Chanel turned up with a scratch, that probably hasn't been posted with a scratch. Mm, It's mm happened in transit. I think it avoids all of that. Um, And also just controls how the experiences, the luxury experiences. So basically like, I think what's so important to these luxury brands is that store experience. Mm -hmm. And like, I think even if you've got good money, you want that experience. And there's some sort of a ritual of going into a shop, someone being really polite, taking time Mm -hmm. with you, calling you ma'am, they offer you a drink, you know, like they properly do this whole like service that I think an online experience would be really difficult for them to to emulate that um and I think that's not something they're after um plus I guess one of the things as well is that like places like Chanel and for sure Hermes Mm -hmm. and Dior and stuff like that like there's almost this like hunt for bags so if there's an Mm -hmm. online space I think it ruins that so like say there's a seasonal color there's a beautiful like red flap bag that's like it doesn't have it in Selfridges it doesn't have it in the new Bond Street store but you can get it at Harrods or like you know there's like this there's this buzz that like YouTubers even that I follow who buy sort of like designer bags like they're waiting or they've called around shops and they found the one place that still has it or like there's this there's this buzz or like some of them even might might travel to like Manchester if like there's a store there like that has it yeah you know, like there's this real like need and demand that I think online you can't replicate that it's either just going to sell out really quickly which is annoying um yeah I completely agree in terms of basically the store experience is like the justification for its price mm. and when if you are a luxury buyer as you said you do hunt around for that color in that in that fabric in that hardware color and you know all of that yeah and it's it is about also that experience because it's like it's a collector's piece isn't it yeah and that is part of why you buy something expensive it's a it's almost like gonna be an antique in a a few years and it's something you're gonna want to cherish and in that thought of like justification for the price if people are buying all these items online so easily which for the most part there's a lot of fashion brands that you can actually buy their stuff online netta porte's got such a huge selection of incredible luxury brands exactly but for those like you know like the hermes the top dogs yeah the ones who are being really particular with how they sell and where they sell I think it's if you're able to buy their stuff online easily next day shipping no problem then 
why do they need these really expensive flagship stores yeah. in the most expensive cities in the world if you're not going to walk in there? Why do they need sales associates to the extent they have now? Of course, they're still going to have stores, but and pay them a commission because you can mm-hmm. make some good money as a sales associate for like Dior and all that. Yeah. Um, why are they going to have both? Why invest yeah. on their online platform and their logistics for e-commerce? And all of that when they've got they're paying five million for their flagship in in New Bond Street. Like it 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 kind of um I don't know, it's it's like uh they don't need both. They yeah. can stick to the model they already have sort of attitude. For sure, for sure. And I think it's I think it's really difficult. And actually, like so many brands do successfully do it on like Net-a-Porter, Farfetch, mm-hmm. on their own websites. Like I'm pretty sure that like Gucci and Louis Vuitton sell on their websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know sort of how they do it, but there, there is like, there is something about going into a store and I ha- like when I used to do all my market research trips, there's mm-hmm. something about, a very few brands like in a Chanel store and I actually like in in some Louis Vuittons like it's kind of like you get almost like a little appointment with um a sales associate so you walk in and if you want to look at a particular bag your name gets put on a list and you Mm. have like a one-on-one like person helping you it's a bit intense yeah but like I, I mean this is like height of like middle of the day tourist central wealthy people shopping mm. who want to go in like the louis vuitton flagship store but they also because they want to buy their bag from that flagship store yeah but it also um, means that you don't get um one thing high prices do kind of with the experience you're describing is that you don't get people who are going to mess you about yeah. it's like you're going to buy you're not <laughs> yeah definitely um so yeah there's like there's a real there's a real kind of like special sort of not many people in the store in that respect because you kind of get told to come back or like people wait at the side to be Mm. like seen it's not crowded you have time to think you know Mm. it's a big purchase and all of that stuff um it's just it's really unique and it's really exclusive and going back to like the justification of hiking up their prices every year um it's it's never quite like it's always more than the national sort of inflation or the Mm -hmm. global inflation or however you want to measure it Mm -hmm. it's always more than that but I guess it's to kind of keep up with that but also it's created this thing where these bags now are investments and I think that's the most important that these kind of price hikes have managed to achieve is that that Chanel bag you bought in 2000 is actually worth so much more now. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's, there's a real skill in that, that like in any normal world, would I buy a bag that costs 5,000 pounds? Absolutely not. That's just no. ridiculous. Yeah, 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 exactly. But if you can justify and like, you'd hear like your dad in the back of your head just being like, that's crazy (laughs) save that money put that as a deposit like on your house like save that you could get a car or like whatever with that money Mm. um 
but when you can be like but dad like it's gonna go up in value like you can justify it with like it's an investment yeah. like, I can sell it on and make more money you're never gonna sell it on of course you're not yeah you're um, not like, <laughs> I've just bought it I'm not selling it ever um yeah I think it's I think it's a mind game that they've really done well with because yeah. that would be my argument to like, say you're like fighting with your husband over why you're spending that much money on a bag. Like mm. you, that's you, something you would say you've, you've got, that as part of your argument and whether yeah, like, sure. it doesn't actually mean anything because you very rarely do people probably sell them on. Um, yeah. But, but it's I'm, knowing you can. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It is it is a mind game. But um I think what is also interesting and what you've actually mentioned before regarding Gucci and them recognizing that their customer base are younger people and how there's a lot of entry entry level price points. Like, you know, the card what's the first thing you think about buying when you buy into these brands? It's a card holder. Yeah. It's the most useless, like I have Entry one, level. but it's it's a pretty like it's basic bit of leather, isn't it? That you <laughs> it's literally like <laughs> two of like, or well, maybe not two. It'll probably be like five very small, yeah, squares. Of cut off. Leather. It's not even. I think it's like four pieces of leather and then a bit of canvas in the middle or like yeah, some yeah. backing, yeah, and um, sewn together with like any of us could probably make one, yeah. like. <laughs> and very limited artisan in there but they're so popular those are the things i probably they probably sell and any brand i bet they probably sell more card holders than anything else oh completely Um, but as as we've seen like in recent history let's say um these luxury brands are investing in more areas so it's not just about leather goods it's like some of them are investing in hotels like Versace hotel and like the Gucci cat, like the Gucci restaurant. Where is it? Somewhere in Italy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah in Florence. In Florence. Um, and then you have like homeware, like Versace. Yeah. They Versace sell like does so many such, plates and all yeah, that. Yeah. All their plates and their bathrobes and all that stuff that do so well. Um, and then you've got like, you know, Hermes, they have their throws and they have oh, how many how many cushions do you see on Instagram and... at the moment that Hermes and the throws? Exactly. Like, <laughs> they're expanding into like departments and ranges that it's not for it's not for Joe blogs. It's for the you know, those diehard fans or whatever. Yeah. Um and it's, that yeah. contributes to like a wider range when it comes to price point for a brand mm-hmm. as well. Um, which yeah. I think is really interesting. For sure, for sure. Because, like, as I guess let's take the cushion market. I don't know much about cushions personally. No. But, like, <laughs> you can get a cheap cushion from H&M Home. Yeah. I guess it's going to set you back maybe £3 for a cushion cover and you might have to buy the filler. Mm. Um, and then, like, you could get sort of like an anthropology pillow that's maybe, like, 40 to 50 quid. Mm-hmm. And that's, like a lot for a pillow like yeah. I'd, I'd say that sounds like quite a lot for um, a decorative pillow um yeah. and then you've got like the likes of if luxury fashion's doing it I'm I don't know what they are I'm guessing they're going to be like 300 to 500 pounds but yeah, like I think it'd be like 500 pounds at least but like in the grand scheme of things it's quite affordable for something from MS. 
Yeah, I mean, Gucci have furniture, and their yeah. furniture is like for just oh, a single chair, like thousands. I would love a Gucci chair. They are. They're <laughs> really nice. They're beautiful. Um, but yeah, they're in the thousands as well. And if you really think about it, it's probably more you get more use out of your chair <laughs> than your, I don't know, your Gucci dress, which probably costs the same amount. I don't yeah. know. Don't yeah. quote me on prices, but yeah, that is like <laughs> another thing another way to buy into these brands and another way for them to capture a particular segment in a a new market. Um, But I have some, I have some like interesting statistics for you. Hit us with the stats. Yeah. Um, First one. So out of, um, this was from Vogue business. So this was a little, little research they did. 13 of like prominent luxury labels. So we're talking about like, Dior, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, um, Tom Ford, Balenciaga, Burberry, all of that stuff. £25,740 being the average difference between the most expensive item for a brand and their median-priced women item. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. And then it says that LV actually sold the most out of those brands sold the most expensive product online and they also have the highest median price out of all their stuff um while burberry mid-tier products are the most accessible yeah but there was it was also mentioned in this that um burberry is trying to like move into a more upmarket space and we kind of touched on the whole like reinvention of Burberry recently. Um, yeah, I think that's something they need to do as like the most expensive British designer fashion house becoming more like, I don't know, more expensive is probably in their best interest to yeah. like maintain that appreciation also, for the brand. Mm. I think to prevent another wave of the job like Burberry being everywhere culture Mm. it suffered in the 90s Mm. I think that that's like if you keep expensive um that's what comes but also a lot of a lot that happened with that 90s job culture and I'm sure we'll do a, a Burberry episode in detail one day but they hadn't properly trademarked their check oh really I think it was something like that oh Hence yeah. why there were lots of very, like, like convincing market <laughs> stall-like stuff. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was something the, to do with that, yeah. The final interesting piece um, that they came out with was the most expensive items sold on the Farfetch's of the world, the Louisa the Aromas of the world, the Net-a-Portes of the world, are on average... 17% cheaper than what you find in own brand stores. Oh. So it's like, it's not that they're selling the same item for 17% mm-hmm. cheaper. It's that the range of priced things that you find are 17% cheaper. So in other words, own stores are hanging on to their most expensive items because they want to retain that Mm -hmm. relationship with their most affluent customer yeah you know um which is i think 
a really interesting point and really um that that's kind of a way of playing both sides being online being wholesaled but also trying to retain some of that prestige and that price and that margin that you want to retain as a luxury brand yeah definitely it's a very clever tactic of like you said having that presence but like not allowing them to have the good stuff Mm. and so they still have to like come to your stores that you put good money into Mm. um if they want like the top stuff the top of the range stuff so the loyal customers are going there yeah that gucci chair they're coming to your store one day one day we might might post some gucci furniture just so everyone can appreciate one day we will be recording this podcast and i will be sat in my gucci chair yeah with some like brocade snake embellished cushions by gucci yeah that's it (laughs) or my gucci b loafers yes please no one day (laughs) it'll be like 30 years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah any um any last thoughts regarding pricing and how they completely manipulate us with their numbers um i mean i wish it wasn't so expensive um but but like i i do get it i just do um Mm. But it's also one of those things having worked inside like the the biz. Inside the machine. And yeah, that's exactly the word I want of like inside the machine. I'm very reluctant to ever pay full price for an item because you just mm. know about the markups and you know all of that stuff. So I do feel very reluctant. Um the markup is why you want it to begin with. Let's face it. The fact that it's expensive. Yeah, is but what like you just know it doesn't cost them that. And like, so mm. having that intel, you're kind of like, well, what a waste. Uh, mm. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, to me, luxury fashion is just like the epitome from a brand's perspective. It's like, don't work hard, work smart you know like why do I need to sell a thousand units of this to make the same amount of money yeah yeah sell one I could sell a (laughs) hundred I could sell one if you earn this it's one (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. no it's true I and also like as a fashion admirer Mm. and like a fashion lover luxury is where it's at for me yeah and so I'm happy for them to have high prices all day long because i like seeing beautiful beautiful Mm -hmm. items yeah that i'll never own (laughs) (laughs) and and on that and on that thought (laughs) (laughs) um yeah well thank you guys for listening to style of the substance again um Follow us on Instagram, of course. Send us any emails and messages. We got a really lovely message by a new listener, actually. And she dropped us a DM and basically said that we are her new podcast for Commute, um, which was really nice. So drop us any DMs. We'll definitely reply. And give us any suggestions for topics that you want to hear moving forward. We're still going to be yeah. doing those like, topic 
fashion industry episodes but we're also going to be talking about interesting luxury brands and their story and their come up or you know their their drama and dilemmas so yeah if you have a brand that you want us to talk about do let us know and a big shout out to our our new listener i think she's called linda yeah yeah hey linda (laughs) oh yeah sorry that's really cringe (laughs) we only have like one listener just joking that's not true um (laughs) yeah so i've been mim i've been scarlet see you next week Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 